Hi everyone, great to have you here. You're listening to the Ask For More podcast. I'm Zara Janjua and today we're going to be joined by Loose Women anchor, BBC Radio Scotland presenter and author Kay Adams. She'll be here with marketing strategist and entrepreneur Nikki Hutchison. Now bouncing back after tragedy or failure is a real strength. Darwin had this quote about the survival of the fittest, but really it's not the strongest that survive, it's those most adaptable to change. And change is always going to affect us, both personally and professionally, which is why today we ask for more resilience. We speak to Kay and Nikki about their failures and their lowest ebbs and the support networks they have around them. We find out how they cope with change, conflict and controversies, and we finish by finding out some of their words of wisdom from their parents. As always, we'll round things up with an inspo quote or a mantra. Today, I'm looking forward to some cracking stories. Enjoy. Kay Adams and Nikki Hutchison, it's really great to have you here. Um, Kay, you've just joined us from your your show on BBC Radio Scotland. Yes, I have indeed. I marched along the road getting a bit of energy in so that I could share in the conversation, having become sick of the sound of my own voice already this morning. Uh, so do tell me to shut up if I do it again. No, we're loving the sound of your voice. And uh, Nikki, you've come all the way from Edinburgh. Yes, I had my monthly business club in city centre, so I just hopped on the train. Oh, lovely. Well, welcome. I'm so glad to have you both joining us for this because um, this is going to be uh, an interesting one for me, the, the discussion around resilience. And I think that having resilience, whether it's personally, professionally, it really does make a difference in your life. And when you start to realise that you've been through it and you've had experiences that you can then start talking from a place of, I get what you're going through and I know how you feel. Um, it really does start to change who you are. Um, well, now, I can I, make you feel really good on this one, don't you? <laughs> oh, <worry about>? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that both of you are incredibly resilient and we'll find out more about that and why over the next sort of 40 minutes or so um, but I think sometimes a really inter- interesting place to start when you talk about resilience is what you've been through and like times when maybe things haven't necessarily gone to plan um, now Kay I noticed obviously on Loose Women you are amazingly brave and you all take on these wonderful challenges they throw loads at you on the show but do you have any regrets for things that you've done within your career um do I, I mean, I have made some hot-headed decisions, uh, which on reflection were the wrong decision. Um, but then, you know, you look at the word wrong, that they took me down a path that um, I hadn't really wanted to go. And and to be honest, um, the first time I was on Loose Women, uh, I took a decision that probably took me away from it when I didn't particularly want to go away from it. But I was stubborn and I stuck to my guns. And then you're sitting alone in your own room thinking, why the hell did I do mm-hmm. that? Um, but then it took me down the path of um, of radio more. And, and I got experience in radio, which I would not have otherwise got, um, which I have found really challenging I have to say radio is difficult much more difficult than telly I have why, to say. why do you think that um well because well you've done a bit of television as well you know and, and no insult to my fellow television presenters but you can produce people on television you know I mean if they fit a certain profile a production team can make them work because there's a lot of support yeah. with, within a television production um, and sometimes People are employed just because they look nice sitting at the end and nobody really cares what they say. I mean, we have There's to be honest. There's definitely more to distract yeah. you, you know, visually. You've got all the visuals there, nice set, you know. Yeah, whereas... I meant the set and the yeah. TV. No, no, but it's true. But, but with radio, you know, you just don't have that. 
you you are on your own mm-hmm. with the microphone. You can't really be produced to the same yeah. level, and and you don't have anything really to rely on apart from your wits and your voice. So mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is quite difficult. Um, I did read process. though about there was one occasion that I read about you, and I just it made me laugh thinking about you lying semi naked on on some ah, cabbage yes, with my leeks. Yeah, but see that's an interesting thing because I suppose what was that about? Um, oh, I don't even know. It's it's a weird thing because I've got Loose Women Incarnation 1 and Incarnation 2. That's right. So uh, this was Incarnation 2. And I suppose when I was younger, and I don't know if it's the same with everyone, I took myself a bit more seriously, mm-hmm. which actually was just nerves. You know, you, you're so kind of worried about how the world sees you, how other people see you, how you're perceived, and you're much more self-conscious. Um, and so I had an image of myself incarnation one that I felt that I had to kind of keep up and I suppose as you go down the road a little bit you think or I started to think oh get over yourself for god's (laughs) sake you know I mean who cares you know you're not actually that important and I don't mean that in a way to put myself down but it just doesn't matter and so it's it's a really empowering thought actually thinking yeah who cares you're a very small part in everyone else's life Absolutely. And I mean, the other one was somehow it was, well, it was Kylie Minogue's 50th birthday and she decided to pose with some musical instrument naked. And so, of course, they said to me, will you sit kind of naked behind a banjo or something? And I just said, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you were holding a leak, on, half naked yeah. on a bed of cabbage. Yeah, wondering. I mean, and with a pair of spanks on. I don't know <laughs> if I had a brown or not. I think we had two cabbage leaves which were decoratively placed. They were much bigger than they needed to be. As, Sounds uh, very Brussels tasteful. sprout leaves would probably have done it. Um, <laughs> and you're so, very slim, so I mean... <laughs> but it's that sense. mix of being empowering that you, you did it, but also just letting go, mm-hmm. you know. I think there's a lot to be said for letting go and definitely this sounds like resilience step one is is stopping caring so much about what, what people think. Um, Nikki, you uh, have, have changed career a few times and um, yeah. you know I know that you told me once before about an interesting scenario that happened uh, where you, you would confess that your ego got in the way. Oh, 100%. So um, I did a postgrad in advertising down in London And at the end of that, a couple of us from the course managed to get work experience in one of the really big agencies. And it was somewhere that I'd always dreamt of working. So I was absolutely delighted. It was myself and my flatmate who got the the placements. And so we worked there for a few months. And then um, they came to us both and said, look, we'd really like to employ you. Amazing. This was what I'd always wanted to do. But prior to that, I had... um, secured a graduate traineeship with an ad agency in Birmingham and I 100% wanted to work in London at the big agency and not go to Birmingham but while my flatmate he jumped straight in and said oh great I'd love to accept my ego got in the way and I wanted them to know that somebody else wanted me and I said oh well I'll just need to um let the just check with the agency that I can get out of that contract that I've signed with them in Birmingham and Anyway, we went home that night, came in the next day and the agency said, oh, there's been a recruitment clamp down. Recruitment freeze. We can't offer oh, any no. more jobs, including the one that we offered you yesterday. So you played yourself out of that role. A hundred percent. Your dream percent. role at the time. Yep. And so, I mean, it's... It, Did you recognise that? Oh, oh, yes. 
You knew what you I done. knew mm. I had made a massive mistake. And it, I mean, you learned from it, though, didn't you? <laughs> yes, Which is never like, done that again. step two. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really hard. We can be really hard on ourselves sometimes, which is, you know, quite often I think that's my biggest problem is that I really, really beat myself up about about things. Um, there, there are things I think back to, though, and it's like early days of TV. And I completely agreed with what you're saying. You become very aware of yourself. And it is the insecurity that makes you hmm. a little bit more formal, perhaps. Um, I once uh, got a cl- agreed to do a colonic on um, on <laughs> TV um, for a show that I was working on with STV, and I won't give the gruesome details, um, but it didn't it didn't go well. It didn't go right, and um, I felt like really lo- I lost my dignity a little bit mm. that day, and I and I kept wondering why on earth I have I agreed to do this. You know, moments you kind of think. I've got a master's degree in journalism and oh, if my yeah. mum could see me now and, you know, programmes that I've just had to say, don't let dad watch that or, you know, don't tell dad that this is on tonight or make sure dad's away from the telly this evening. I'm kind of wondering what it would have looked like if that had gone right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that it didn't because it didn't end up going to air. <laughs> so that was... Uh, it is a yeah. hard one, that, though, isn't it? Because I, I don't think I've got that one right yet that, because I, I think as I have got older, I'm much more inclined to say yes, what the hell, why not, give it a go. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to say yes to everything. And, you know, you do have to have the confidence to sometimes say no. You know, this is outside my comfort zone. And, and you know, just say politely, whatever, but be able to say no. But particularly in an insecure business, and I'm sure it's not just... Uh, media, they'll be all the same. You know, you you think, oh my God, if I don't say yes, if I don't say yes, if I don't say yes, but you do that too often, you can find yourself in the wilderness and think, well, where the hell am I? You know. I think it's the same in business in general, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're always, if you're self-employed and you're the person who's generating your own income, your own opportunities, you always worry, oh, if I turn that down, what's going to happen? You know, where's my next opportunity going to come from? Where's my next client going to come from? Have I done the right thing? But you're right, it is having the confidence to know actually that opportunity is going to take me down a path I am not interested in. Mm. And I think that, that part of that does come again with the experience and, and it gives you it allows you the time then to understand what you want to focus on and make time for the things that you think yeah. are important. Because I'm sure you get requests every day to, to do things and to be involved in things. And unless you do start saying no, you're not going to have that, that, that time. Um, Kay, I want to take you back to um, 1988, around about that time. Oh. You're 23 years old. Oh, yes. And and um, you were sent to interview the Prime Minister at the time, who just happened to be Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, absolutely. How it, did that go? Um, terribly, really. Um, it, it, it was, you look back, it makes me realise how old I am when you look back on kind of, you know, seminal moments in your mm-hmm. career. Um, but actually, I, I did, what I'm proud of is I generated that myself because I was desperate to impress the boss. It was a new job and, uh, you know, I really was sitting there like a, a 12-year-old thinking, how can I suck up to the teacher? Um, oh, so this wasn't something that, that landed on your desk? You chased no, this? No, 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 well, it wasn't. So I'll give myself one brownie point for oh, that. Absolutely. I mean, it's all downhill after that, to be honest, <laughs> but there you go. Um, and at the time, there was a major concern about the representation or lack of representation of women in mm-hmm. politics. I think it was something like 
like four percent of uh, of MPs. Mm-hmm. Could it have been that bad? Could it have been? That? Anyway, it, it was a very very low figure. It's before so, the Blair's babes, yeah, type absolutely. Thing, you know, before the kick in, really. There, so I um, was really interested in that, and I said I wanted to to do a half hour documentary about that, and they were very good. They gave me uh, license to do that, and of course the cherry on the top would be an interview with the Prime Minister of the day. Um, so I, I wrote to her, or I wrote to Bernard Ingham, who was a press secretary at the time, and um, got this letter back. You know, you will have an hour's audience with uh, Margaret Thatcher at Downing Street on that such and such a date. That must have felt exhilarating at the time. Yeah, I've still got the letter somewhere. <laughs> um, and should be framed, surely. I know, it should be. So off I went, and I can remember going round Trafalgar Square in a taxi, and I, I have this memory of asking him to go round five times and being sick out the door. I don't know if that actually happened, but it felt <laughs> like it did, and it's a good story. Um, and then knocking, this is true, knocking on the door of Downing Street, which of course you're not able to do now because of security. Okay, yeah. You know, and it's like, is Margaret in? Um, <laughs> and she answered the door. No. Uh, yeah, I know, it's really, really they strange. they butlers and things? It, well, no, I mean, wow. there's big coppers everywhere, you know, but Effectively, she answered the door, um, which I look back at it now was so brilliant on her part because she immediately recognised how young I was, how nervous I was, and not in um, an aggressive way at all, but her motherly instincts mm-hmm. clearly just kind of kicked in, um, which was good because it completely emasculated me in that, you know, I went in thinking, wow, I'm going to give her a hard time. I'm a <laughs> lefty student almost <laughs> recently and da, da, da. And, you know, I was just like, ah, yes, aha. Uh-huh. I mean, I was puppy dog within five minutes. It was pathetic. I love that, actually, that that um, clip was shared recently on social social media and it was your daughter's reaction oh, to yeah, it. Yeah, and she wasn't impressed. No. <laughs> no. Your daughter reacting to the yeah. whole outfit as well. The, yeah, the, well, that's the, right. Yeah. I'm interviewing the Prime Minister. Oh, <laughs> mom, that caller. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, have you ever felt out of your your depth or out of depth at all within your within the workplace or within your role? Yeah, many times. I don't think I really felt confident until I was working for myself. Actually, um, you know, I worked my way up in advertising, and then, uh, well, that agency that I talked about in Birmingham, I lasted six months miserable the worst six months of my life um I didn't know anybody it was in the middle of nowhere so we all had to drive into work and everybody drove home after work and I knew I, I nobody started off in Birmingham that's where did I got you? the interview from I loved Birmingham did you like, yeah, you yeah. had a different experience yeah. <laughs> so the kind of place that you could only get your lunch from the burger van was yeah, it? yeah yeah and you know um my boyfriend at the time had moved down with me and he hated it as well so life was not good <laughs> So I ended up moving back up to Edinburgh and um, just phoning my friend. I'd worked in bars in between uni and just phoning a friend and saying, have you got a job for me in the bar? (laughs) Yeah, great. So then I kind of went down that industry. And to be honest, I felt comfortable in that industry. Mm. I was managing nightclubs. I was having a whale of a time. Um, And then going back into advertising uh, after having my kids, that was quite, well, my son, that was quite uh, a challenge. And I did feel out of my depth because I'd missed this kind of chunk. You know, I'd, I had done the graduate traineeship for five minutes and then I'd gone away and I'd come back and I had to kind of prove to myself that I could do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. Do you know, the one thing I love about you, Nikki, is when I, when I asked you things in the past about how... Um, 
you know resilient you are and especially when we when we do talk about the, the bad things that happen to us that, that make us stronger you always have you seem to have a really positive spin on all of them so for instance saying that you know you didn't get the job and it didn't work out sent you back to, to Edinburgh and had you not then you wouldn't have met your husband and I'm not a big believer in and I'm sorry to call it this but magical thinking and I do mm-hmm. I don't I wish I could prescribe to the you know everything happens for a reason but I just find that really really difficult because I think it takes away from my responsibility mm-hmm. or my role in things when they when it goes wrong but I also think that equally if I do something and it works out really well it's kind of I don't like thinking that that was down to fate I like thinking you know I made that happen yeah. so you know it works both ways but that that was essentially what happened to you wasn't it that you that you found a really positive spin you you, you moved back home you yeah you know, does that give you comfort then to think of the, the the things that can happen do you do do you find try and find positive spins on, on always, negative situations always because if you haven't learned anything from it, then it's been a waste of time and it has been a purely negative, draining, mm. awful experience. You have to put a positive yeah. spin on things. And I think it's recognising that that is a choice. You know, how you choose to, to view that in your, your life. I mean, when I was talking about that crossroads that I had, I mean, my, my ideal scenario would have been to continue doing loose women and to carry on down that line. It didn't happen because of bad decisions that I made. But it would be my choice then to say, well, I'm either going to spend the next 15 years moaning about what might have been and should have been, etc., or to say, right, well, it happened, and actually um, what did transpire had an awful lot to to teach me, and, and I got a lot from it, and you just move on. But that is a choice to either get stuck or move on. Yeah. I think it's the, the impact that it can have on, on your mental health, you know, and... Um, you say that you have a choice. I think sometimes when you're very young, and I certainly experienced this, that you you almost don't have a choice. That it's something negative happens, and you you can't either process it very well, or um, it just is. You dwell you dwell on it and become quite bitter sometimes. Um, but it's that that's where the resilience comes from. That's where it was interesting. You spoke about moving away, Nikki, because one of my sort of lowest points was when I um, moved to Aberdeen to take a job as a technical journalist in the oil and gas industry, and that was after working as a human rights journalist for years with the Scottish Human Rights Commission and the Innocence Project and I thought finally I'm going to get paid and I lasted about two weeks and I left catastrophically by smashing a computer and I didn't mean to smash a computer mm. I had a very rude boss and I just was trying to get rid of papers that he'd slammed on my and I thought I'll just I'll have quite this dramatic exit and I went to throw the papers but it took the whole computer and it smashed oh. the computer so now what I look like go. that crazy woman yeah. that just left but I, at the time, was living in Aberdeen and I moved my boyfriend up at the time and he was in the Merchant Navy and could have lived anywhere. And I was actually very close to having to sign on and I hadn't, I couldn't find any work up there and we had you know, a lease for a year in this flat. And had it not been for being available at that time, I wouldn't have seen the job advertised with, with STV, which is where I got my first in as an editor online and you know then had six, seven years of a, a career. So I'm still determined to say that that's not fate. I think, you know, I, you know, I still applied for that job and made it, made it all happen. But I do think that one door closes and another one can open. Mm. Um, it's, just, it's just how you, how you go about framing it. Um, Kate, Loose Women is just an incredible programme and actually that's how we first met which was um, about a year and a half ago when I moved down to London that was one of the shows that I started started working on it's an amazing programme you all have so much fun in that yeah, no we do actually we're we're really really privileged um, 
to work on it and, and you have to catch yourself sometimes because we can get a bit self-indulgent and queenie there's no <laughs> doubt about it um, uh, but thankfully most of us have known each other for long enough uh, that when somebody goes down that road there's another voice that will say oi oi wait a minute wait a minute um, but I mean, I'm very, very protective of, of that brand because I think like a lot of daytime television and certainly a lot of um, productions that are all female, they're very easy to diss. They're very easy to, you know, pour disdain upon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I am very defensive because actually here we are in 2020 and there are very few uh, productions that are all female and I think mm -hmm. that is uh, a really important thing um, because I think women generally and I know it's difficult to generalize about uh, to generalize about gender issues these days which is right but you know we have a certain way of communicating a certain way of telling stories and a certain way of, of sharing experiences that I think is quite special um, and so I think it's good to see that represented on um, a platform like that mm -hmm. and also you know we can get very snobby in television and because I've been around for so long and I have done the pointy headed political shows and I've done quite a, a broad spread and I would always argue that actually Jeremy Paxman might not agree with me you know it's kind of easier to do Newsnight in some ways because you've got three killer questions you know what you've got to ask and you keep going down that you know and everything is kind of set out Whereas in a show like that, you know, it's just you're freestyling it's a, piece a lot. Of putty, you know, Actually, you're you're also laying your your true opinions out. You're laying your soul out for everyone because you do. You're very very open. People share, and actually, the other women seem to put you on a, on the spot quite a lot. As in, mm. they will make sure that you talk about the thing that they want you to talk about. Well, yeah, and, and the more we know each other, the more we're likely to do that because, of course, the line between um, real life and telly life gets mm. absolutely blurred. You mm. know, and so you don't have that kind of natural respect for a fellow professional you know yeah. it's just you're more likely to go oh for god's sake that's not what you were saying the other night <laughs> <laughs> don't do it in pure scottish but you know you know what i mean well do you uh, know the first show that i worked on was um with it was with brian conley breastfeeding ross kemp and it was a real insight jeremy paxman wouldn't do that you know <laughs> and i just thought wow this sounds like such an amazing amazing show and i'm so so grateful for the time there because you know it was it, we learned a lot you know working in production on that it's a really tight ship but also, you know, getting the opportunity to work with Whoopi Goldberg. She came on and she was mm. fantastic. Um, and the Backstreet Boys, which just took me back to, you know, being a child again. I didn't remember them. That was really Did you embarrassing. <laughs> I loved your dancing to them. Though, uh, I, I try my best. I'm very willing. <laughs> so on a Friday, you are you are hosting every Friday now. So, yeah. so um, Friday is the f most fun day, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's the most fun day. Absolutely. But it really is. I used to, lo we used to, I used to host something Friday with fun. Grant Stott on a Friday. And, and it was just like no one... No one cares on a Friday. Anything goes. The stuff that you're not allowed to do through the week, you get to do on a Friday. It's a lot of fun. Your office is a wee bit like this, though. You've really tried to harness a, a kind of really easygoing, relaxed atmosphere. Yeah, I just try and do that generally, to be honest. But I guess on a Friday, it's a smaller team. Lots of people work part-time, so there's less of us. And... Um, it's a bit more relaxed. You're kind of easing into the weekend, aren't you? Ticking off the to-do list. I try and have fewer client meetings on a Friday and just oh, well get done. through more stuff. But yeah, generally, just my aim as working for myself and employing other people is to stay away from the corporate mm -hmm. and just... I've had experience the corporate world and I didn't enjoy it. I don't think 
So there's, how do you distinguish your world from the corporate world then? What's corporate and what's Nikki world? So I would say more relaxed. Um, there's no need to dress up, for example. So <laughs> this is going to sound really bad, but there are very few men in my world of business these days. And I've chosen... Um, to try chosen, and work with women? Yeah. yeah. Why, why is that? Why have you... I find women more open, less... Um, challenging, um, sometimes less threatened, to mm. be honest. Less threatened. Threatened, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. By other As women easier doing to well. build those relationships. Yeah. But there's yeah. that sort of, um, you know, how much do we want to kind of promote women? I also absolutely love working with women. I used to have uh, STV News for female producers. And I remember saying it to someone once, um, a, a guy I was seeing, and he went, oh, God, that sounds awful. And I was like, it's fantastic. Mm. I mean, it's loud. <laughs> you have to tell them to shut up sometimes when you want to do a voiceover. But it's fabulous, you know. And I think there's this kind of feeling sometimes that a female working environment can be poisonous in some way or that it's, it's very kind of catty. And yeah. I just think that's so, it's, yeah. it's so removed from, you know, we've all got girlfriends, sisters, people who, you know, we have really warm, trusting, mm. open relationships I think, with. I mean, you know, it's so difficult to get into these conversations and, you know, not go, oh, anti-men or whatever, but... But, I mean, I think if you kind of look back historically, the corporate structure was probably established by men yeah. just because there were very few women available to do. I mean, it's only the 1970s that, you know, married uh, women were able to be police officers. You know, so yeah. we're not going And boxing was far. very recent as well. Yeah. yeah, so you have a corporate structure that is designed for very obvious reasons by men, so they're kind of more comfortable in it. I think there's a greater sort of deference to status and hierarchy and yeah. who's got this job and who's got that job mm. and don't cross over that one, etc. Whereas when you have an influx of people, women, who aren't so steeped in that, then they're going to naturally do things differently, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and just not have that kind of automatic adherence to the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. and I think there's a real strength in saying that you want to find your own way of doing things and actually this is kind of feeding back into the, the resilience. It really does take a lot to stand up and say you want to carve it out yourself, do your own thing and find your own way of doing things and I don't see any harm in promoting women in, in the workplace and trying to encourage more women to come into work and, and to work with. Um, how, do you, how do you approach conflict resolution? And I'm going to maybe speak to you about this first, Kate, just because, you know, there have been some big, big moments on the show, you know, in big moments of conflict. And it's, it, it's a show that's heavy with opinions and personalities and everyone on there has their strong opinions, strong mm. personalities. Um, some of them have been quite explosive. There was the, the Kim Woodburn and, and Colleen Nolan situation. Um, you know, that, that was hard to watch hard to swallow but also it was just you know it's so hard to know where to go with that when you're sitting when you're sitting yeah. there dealing with it at the time um but you how do you cope with that when you're when you're when you're presenting well the thing is i'm actually quite a combative person um well, and, and i don't mean i'm not con um confrontational particularly but my mother was a very strong personality um she and my dad set up a business in their late 20s a haulage business so not a cuddly business um and they were very much a team and when I look back now probably ahead of their time in terms of their relationship you know she wasn't in any way uh deferential towards him um they had a great relationship, but a feisty relationship. So I just didn't grow up ever thinking that, you know, and obviously I'm a lot older than you and you, Nikki, but, you know, there are people of my generation who've grown up thinking that, you know, the wife generally sort of 
tries to calm things down mm. and or lets him speak yeah. and all these kind of odd um sort of ways of being so I you just don't didn't... shy away from it you yeah. tackle it head on yeah so it doesn't it doesn't scare me. I don't think I'm going to offend somebody. Um, but that's when we're arguing or discussing um, ideas. And I'm really comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with a slagging match. No. With On a personal level. I don't like that. And I would do anything mm. to try and avoid that one. But, I mean, if you're in a professional situation and we are talking about, uh, I don't know, how do you improve the diet of people on a low income or, how you know, whatever... I'm happy to to get really stuck in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it when it gets personal. No, of course not. And I, I mean, it, both dealing with confrontations personally, I think, is much harder because you can cross the line a little bit more. You feel that you can um, a bit more than than you would in the workplace. Have you had to deal with much conflict in the workplace? Yeah, it's probably the side of management or being an employer that I find the hardest mm-hmm. is that I am so reliant on my team. Um, but at times I will disagree with them mm-hmm. um, but what I come back to is always what is the relationship that I want to have with these people I've chosen you know I've chosen to um, work with them long term um, I absolutely trust them a hundred percent in what they do so sometimes you, it's just as simple as taking a breath taking a few minutes and just carefully choosing your words because yeah. It can be catastrophic if you say the wrong thing. And I've actually had an instance last year with um, one of my key employees who completely misconstrued something that I had said. But as soon as we got to that, I said, oh, that is not what I meant at all. This is what I meant. Mm -hmm. Then there's this massive relief. And I think it's just valuing that relationship and letting people know how trusted and valued they are. That's a really key point, I think, in mm. dealing with conflict is thinking, what's the outcome that I want from this? Because if you are just going to let that chimp out and behave the way it wants, yeah. then you know perhaps you're, you will be left with a catastrophic situation. Exactly. Um, yeah. Would you have um, said that that last year was 2018? That was one of your lowest sort of ebbs in, in life. Uh, well, you know, it, it's funny, isn't it? On the back of the rest of our conversation, you choose how to to see experiences in your life. And obviously going through that, it was very difficult and very challenging and very sad a lot of the time. Um, But now a little way down the line, I've got to look back a little bit and say, I'm absolutely blessed in the parents that I had. Um, It was a huge, I mean, and this isn't cheesy stuff. I can look back at it now and say it was a privilege to think that, you know, I was there and I did what you have to not what you have to do as a daughter but mm-hmm. what I felt I really wanted to do as a daughter um, you've got no regrets over you I, yeah I don't have any regrets I don't think oh well maybe you know I should have done a bit more I don't have that on my conscience um, so as, as time goes on a little bit I have to look back at that and think well that was enormously difficult mm-hmm. but it's part of life and given that it is part of life um, we got through it mm-hmm. you know um, without too many regrets. I think grief is just one of those things that can completely knock you in life. You know, you can be sailing through and everything's going really well, great relationship or, you know, work's delivering in abundance and it, it, it can mm. really knock you. Um, I think it's really hard to come back. Some people especially find that that really hard to come back with and you were very close with your, your mum. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was, but I, 
And I mean, you still am. You know, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, because obviously you get older, you have your own family, so it's not as if your mum is constantly on your shoulder, though she did for me at least seven times a day. Um, <laughs> um, and again, I'm not one of these mystical p- people, but, you know, she, she's just part of me. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that she, she's gone or she's been excised or whatever. Um, you know, so t- to some extent, she still feels very real to me. So I, I don't really... Obviously, in a physical sense, you've got to talk in the past tense. But in terms of what she is in my life, I don't feel she's past tense, mm-hmm. do you know. So, nor my dad. So, I, I mean, I guess I'm I'm blessed in that. Do you find and you're taking a lot of your relationship into um, your relationship with Bonnie? So, the one relationship you had with you and your mum, developing a, a sense of that with with Bonnie. Oh, yeah, because I'm just on their back though. That's, <laughs> that's you know, maybe the wrong time. Time she's twelve thirteen. <laughs> you know. um, yeah, no. I, I, the longer you go on, you know, and you see, I just had it in my head that everyone has a wonderful relationship mm-hmm. with their parents, um, and then obviously you meet people and you realise, no, actually, I was really blessed there. Mm-hmm. That was really special. Yeah. Not everybody has that, and and mm-hmm. I do. I personally believe that you know a, a solid family is the greatest gift you can be born with absolutely beyond everything absolutely else. no i couldn't agree more but i also think that being able to have resilience in these times or show strength and show resilience is 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 incredible you know and, and i know that yourself nikki it's hard talking about times that you've been at your your lowest ebb and you know i'm sorry to take you back to it but it was actually for you a, a near-death experience that that you had um that changed very much your mentality and your approach to to life absolutely yes yeah, so um i mean it was a long time ago now 2009 um i had an ectopic pregnancy and it was misdiagnosed for such a long time for two weeks nobody knew what was wrong i had the coil so it wasn't planned um and nobody thought to test because i had the coil so um it went on for a couple of weeks and it went on for such a long time that it ruptured um and i've never actually known pain like it i've had two kids both c-sections one emergency one non doesn't compare in terms of pain um and a it's a massive reality check because you think god don't even know how old i was 30 was this your first pregnancy no i had my son already so you had so yeah and um i actually thought i just remember clearly thinking i'm going to die if nobody if nobody takes it because even once it had ruptured it was in the middle of the night so blue light to the hospital and we were still kept waiting for ages and i had to say i said to my husband you have to go and get somebody because I'm going to die. <laughs> and it's shocking to think, wow, this could happen to anybody. This is happening to me. So it wasn't for me so much about the loss of a baby because I didn't even think there was a, you know, there was no hope of a baby. <laughs> um, it was that trauma from nearly dying. And then... And how did it yeah. feel to have that feeling, that genuinely... I think I'm going to die. It was just terrifying, absolutely terrifying. So anyway, he went and got somebody, and um, after that, it was all systems go. Mm-hmm. Um, they just said, right, you're pregnant, it's ectopic, it's ruptured, we're going to operate now, now, now. Okay with that? It's like, wow, okay, so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I know what's wrong, and all of a sudden, you're going to deal with that, and I, I just, yes, just... Put me to sleep. <laughs> Just deal with this. But it um, took them two weeks to, to to diagnose it. Yeah. And so what? So what was the fallout from that then? How are you? Just with being off work for the three months, that's really where I lost so much confidence because I thought, gosh, you know, what are they thinking? Do they think that I'm skiving? 
<laughs> um, they're obviously managing really well without me. I might even need it, that kind of thing. And then when I went back to work, um, it just didn't go well. And it was after that that I thought, right, I can't be in this industry. And it was it was kind of sad because I'd always wanted to work in the ad industry. And I, I really, really loved it. But um, I just knew that I couldn't stay there. But you made a point of changing your life because you were unhappy. Yeah. And so instead of, you know, continuing on that path, you you you, you did make a point to, to change it. And I think that shows incredible resilience to stand up and say, I'm not happy with this. I don't want this to continue. I'm going to make a change. Because especially having your dream career, your dream industry, to say that you were going to do something else. But you did something completely different. Completely different. And that was because I'd lost all of my confidence. So I thought, oh, they must, you know, how could I possibly go and work in marketing? How could I promote myself? Because I'm I'm a bit rubbish, really. Um, so, But I thought, right, I really want to do something. So I thankfully fell pregnant with my daughter, who was very much wanted, um, because I'd lost a fallopian tube during the ectopic as well. So that was kind of unsure as to whether that would happen. But so I fell pregnant with her and then went on maternity leave and just never went back. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking around and thinking, right, what can I do? I can't do anything marketing because, you know, I'm a bit rubbish. Um, <laughs> and I, my husband had a friend who was a breakdance teacher and he said to me, oh, I can't get enough kids to come along to my classes. Can you give me a hand? Yeah, that's fine. So anyway, did that for a while and then said to him, you know, um, I'm spending quite a lot of time on this <laughs> um, and I could really be doing with a, a job or something do you want to pay me or do you, or should we turn this into a business he said well I haven't really got enough money so should we just do it as a business so it was all very organic and very kind of um off the cuff if you like um so we set up uh, my first business which is still running today that's my team who I'm mentioning uh stepped up dance and um we just started with him and one class after school. And then um, within three years, we were six figures, uh, over 100 classes, delivering wow. to thousands of kids. And that is how week. you bounce back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That is how you bounce back. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, Kate, how would, how would you describe resilience in yourself? Do you, do you describe yourself as being a resilient person? Do you think of yourself that way? Do you identify that way? Um. Well, I mean, I guess you just have to look at, as I'm constantly saying to my kids, um, when they tell me they're rubbish, they're rubbish, they can't do things. And it's so, so frustrating, you know, mm. when you're looking at, at young people with, you know, such potential and ability, but but that kind of self-doubt and lack of confidence, you know, it breaks your heart. But um, I just say to them, well, where's the evidence for that? Where's the evidence for that? Look, mm. look what you did there. Look what you did there. Look what you did there. You know, that was great. That was good. That was good. Um, and, and, and just try and make it evidence. So I can only do that with myself. I mean, I don't walk about the streets thinking, oh, you know, Teflon Adams. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when I am feeling a bit kind of unsure, as everyone does at times, I do tend to kind of look back purely in order to say, well, look, you dealt with that, you dealt with that, you dealt with that, you dealt with that. You know, you've got you a bit this. of a, a a history here. You've got a bank of, of pretty good experience in terms of rising from the ashes. You can do it again. Did, did I read somewhere that you also, and we were talking about support networks before, that you have a very close relationship with your dog? 
Be... Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's freaky, to be fair. <laughs> dog, We're getting a puppy this dog. month, so oh, I'd love you? to hear more. It's the best <laughs> thing you'll ever do. It's, it's like pet therapy, isn't it? <laughs> God, I mean, I was, I imagine the same as you, the kids, the kids go on about it, and I'm kind of, oh, God, you know. We had a trial run with a rabbit, don't do the rabbit. <laughs> That's why we're getting a dog. My yeah. daughter asked Santa for a rabbit. Oh, <laughs> don't, do, don't do the rabbit. Don't do the rabbit. I'm sure the rabbit loves it. Um, but you just, you seem very, very sweet, the relationship that you have. You even said that you would leave your partner, you know, if you ever lost well, her I, at any point, know, to go on a walk and lost it really her. difficult. <laughs> but I saw as well, you did the Dolly Parton challenge, but with your dog. Yes, I know. With she the... looked great on Tinder. She really did. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I had any offers. I actually haven't done that challenge yet. Yeah. Have you seen it? The Dolly Parton yeah, challenge. Yeah. No, yeah. No, no, well, no. I did, not to put you on the spot, but I've brought in some props and I wondered whether we were be up for doing a wee Dolly Parton challenge afterwards. Oh yes, well, a few picks. I don't know if I'm allowed on Tinder. There must be an age maximum. <laughs> <laughs> if he loses the dog, though, it might be a nice, it might be a nice reminder <laughs> for him. Look how she would be on Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, um, a dog does, or a pet gives you a special thing. You know, it's it's a a relationship that you don't have with a human being because basically. It doesn't question you. Mm. <laughs> you know, as long as you're nice to the dog, it will be nice to you. It's the simplest mm. of relationships. So it's just quite nice. And Nikki, how about you? What's, do you see yourself as being a resilient person now? Yeah, I think so. I think that whole experience, it's kind of what you said, Kate, about proving, proving it to yourself and reminding yourself. So whilst previously I had thought, oh, I could never set up anything to do with marketing, despite the fact that I have a postgrad and spent most of my career working in advertising it was 100% the marketing skills of bringing people in um, that built that business mm-hmm. so um, getting to that point and realising oh, that you're actually, good at what you do I am quite good at this yeah. I'm, I'm alright yeah. is very freeing so what's your business now? so I'm a marketing strategist for women looking to achieve bigger results mm-hmm. in their businesses just to, to sort of finish off, one thing that we do at the end of every podcast is talk about um, sort of top things or top bits of advice. And obviously, you know, we know that you're incredibly resilient. But Kay, I, I did see that um, within the Loose Women Let Loose book, you had mentioned a number of things that your parents once told you and bits of advice and, you know, little nuggets of information there. I wonder if you have some of your, your top bits of information, top top bits of advice from your parents that mm. you want to share. Uh, well, it was more my dad, I have to say. My mum just sort of inhabits me in a very strange way, so there's no sort of uh, nuggets. Um, but the two of my dad that I really love and, and still stick by is fortune favours the brave. Love that. Um, and, and I think you do have to push yourself out there. And uh, strangely opposite, given that I went into journalism, um, never be afraid to ask a stupid question. Um and I do think that is really important because, I mean, going back to that sense of, you know, getting a bit up ourselves, etc. Sometimes it's the most basic questions that actually do unlock, um, you know, the fundamental of what you're trying to get. Often Everyone, you're sitting in the room with that question yeah. thinking, I'm not going to ask it stupid. And when someone asks it, you go, oh, thank, thank God. God. That's right. Yeah. Because we all pretend so much. Yeah. We do pretend and we've got a sense of self-image and, you know, we don't want to look stupid. Um, where actually there's no shame in just asking Mm-hmm. A straightforward question. And what about with yeah. you, Nikki? Um, so my mum has always just said to me, you didn't call it imposter syndrome back in the day. You just called it thinking you were a bit rubbish <laughs> or being a bit unsure of yourself. And I just, whenever I had those moments of doubt, my mum just used to say to me, everybody feels like that. That's mm-hmm. the secret. 
everybody feels like that. Men, women, everybody feels like that. So just get over yourself, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Some tough love, but I like it. (laughs) Um, And also, both my parents have always encouraged me to not be afraid to put yourself first. And I'm lucky to still have them around and my step-parents as well. Um, And they're always encouraging me to be a little bit selfish now and Good. then and put yourself first I think that's really important yeah. is that burnt yeah. toast thing isn't it that we always do put ourselves last and but take maybe the we need place. another word from selfish because it's just mm. got such negative maybe it's self care yeah it's it? self care but that's that sounds a bit wanky as well. <laughs> it's a bit overused. Yeah. You said it. You said it. Um, <laughs> self-care. Better than self-love. It's very meditative. Yeah. It's a whole different podcast. Yeah. Well, do you know, my, when I was growing up, my mum was like this amazing character who got, got away and joined the army at 17 and she was she had to fend for her family and thought she, everyone was trying to get her to get married, tell her to get married. And she went to join the army and went away to Cyprus. And she had this incredible life, my mum. And she used to say to me when I was younger, don't wait for anyone if you want to do something. Don't, you know, friends are going to tell you in life that, yeah, they'll come and move to Spain with you or they'll come to Bermuda with you or they'll do things with you. They're not going to do it if you don't wait for anyone. And, it, you know, I travelled the world alone because of that advice from my mum and I've had some fabulous experiences and I actually met some amazing people because of that. So I'm never scared to do things alone because of that bit of advice, which I love. Um, but my granny also used to say to me, you don't chase a bus once you've caught it, hen. Oh, what's that? So it's mostly with men that she's talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just keep them interested. They don't oh, you don't chase a bus once you've caught it, hen, which I really loved. And I still think of every time. Every time I meet a new man, every time I'm dating, that's what they're dealing with on Tinder these days. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't see that on your Tinder profile. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, it's been so lovely to have you to have you both here. I wonder if just very quickly you have a quote or uh, an inspirational mantra or something that you live by or something that you've heard recently that you just that you remember okay oh well I mean one that I did and I'm probably going to paraphrase this really badly uh, but I was in a a radio station in London and uh, they had a great quote up there which was along the lines of people may not remember what you say but they will remember the way you made them feel absolutely and I thought that was great yeah put that in my pocket always be kind yeah Yeah. Um, so mine I just love this phrase that I use all the time, don't be beige. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's don't try and blend in. Don't try and be the same as anybody else in marketing, in business, in life. Um, just be brave and be yourself. I like that. And just, yeah, be, be, be who you are. I think that's great to embrace that as well. I, I heard an inspo quote the other day that's very in keeping with this, uh, which is, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you, which I think is a really important thing to remember if you are trying to build up your own resilience in life or if you're going through something and you are having a hard time with it is that you, it will change mm. you but ultimately I think you, you do get stronger from it Kay Adams, Nikki Hutchison, thank you so much it's been thank lovely you. having you on Enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been lovely. thanks so much for listening we would love to hear your parents golden nuggets of advice or maybe any inspo quotes you have I would really like to read them out, so get in touch on Twitter at TVZaraJ using the hashtag AskForMore. See you soon. Bye, guys.